Welcome to the Principles of Success, interviewing the experts, and today's book review is Financial Freedom. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I love this book. The reason why I love this book is because it's a much more in-depth version of the book that I wrote because I couldn't find this book. Some parts he and I would disagree on slightly, but overall, it is pretty much a more in-depth version of my book, The Blueprint to Wealth. I wrote my book with the intention of it being short and compact so that way you could get actionable advice quickly without having to read a big fat book. His book is much more in-depth on all of the subjects that I just briefly touch on. So I really enjoyed it. So we're going to talk about it today. And the first point is money is freedom. Everyone's goal should be able to acquire enough money cash flowing so that way they can be freed from the necessity of struggling to make sure that they can survive. You want your money keeping you alive, not your labor. You labor really hard to generate that money. There's not a single rich person who doesn't work really hard. But the goal should be ha having the ability to live off of your investments. So money is freedom. And because of that, you are probably not saving anywhere near enough. The numbers vary, and I don't remember exactly what he said in this book, but the goal should be to be living off of 30 to 40% of your income. And then the remaining 70, 60% goes towards your financial freedom account. The goal is to be free. And if you aren't saving anywhere near the majority of your money, you're not taking it seriously. Yes, I know. A lot of you probably are living paycheck to paycheck. You got used to being fancy. And when I talk about fancy, I'm talking about things like, how many cars does your household have? Because that's gas, that's insurance, that's car payments. And if you have car payments, why do you have car payments? Is your consumption keeping you from what you actually want? Do you want to be free or do you want to have unlimited data on your phone? The people who succeed make sacrifices. He doesn't go into the cutting expenses as much as I do in my book, but he still talks about it because it's still the first step of wealth building. You need to cut your expenses so that way you can start saving. Next, time versus money. First off, how much time are you wasting? I've been working my butt off all week, so I wasted a good chunk of today. I had a lot of things that I wanted to get done, but today I was like, eh, I'll take a rest day. And he actually talks about this in the book, near the end of the book, of making sure that you take rest days. But, and that's not wasting time. However, once I was done resting, 
I kept procrastinating doing this episode and I wasn't enjoying my rest anymore because I was procrastinating this. So when you rest, rest. When you work, work. But how much time are you wasting? Next, are you investing in things that make you money outside of your time? I've been recording the episodes for investments further down the season this year and you got to make sure that you invest because you need your money to start working for you not just you working for your money and how much of your time do you have to trade for that money we've already talked about it on the show i talk about it in my book but that ten dollar movie is how many hours of your life to earn that that $100 pair of shoes is how many hours of your life to earn those pair of shoes is that car worth an entire year of your life cuz a lot of you probably have a nice car and it makes you feel good that you have a nice car until you realize that at the minimum it probably is costing you a year of your life and if you include compound gains from investments that you missed out on by purchasing that car. That was a weird way to say car. (laughs) Car. Um, If you include that number, it's probably several years of your life that you are going to lose out on because you had to have the fancy car. The cheaper you live, the faster your number, your finances grow, and the closer you get to that retirement number that you need. Here in a few weeks, I'll talk about escaping the rat race. How much money do you need for your of your investments to make enough for you to live off of passive in passive income coming in? Is it $4,000, $2,000? The cheaper you live, the faster you can accumulate that wealth to get to that number and the smaller that number has to be. Living in Oklahoma is way 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 cheaper than living in California. I can have the same lifestyles, but my number will be drastically smaller than anybody in California. And that's just here in the U.S. You can, uh, especially if you're at the stage where you actually have reached your number and your investments are taking care of everything for you, you don't even have to be in the U.S. There's countries where five-star resorts are cheaper than rent in the U.S. So once you get your number, you're free. And the smaller and cheaper you live, the faster you can reach that number. Now time for a counterintuitive thought. The younger you are, the less you actually need to be able to retire. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Wait, what? Well, we've talked about compound interest on this show before, so I'm not going to explain it because I'm running out of time. But if you've accumulated the bulk of your nest egg while you're young... It has much more time to grow and develop. And if you are not having to commute to work, less car payment, less mileage. Uh, If you're like, for instance, what we just talked about, living in, I don't know, Bali. 
your cost of living is much less. And it's a combination of those two things that make it so you actually need less the younger you are. So every dollar matters. Every single dollar matters, and you should be as big of a cheapskate as possible and as big of a hustler as possible, especially while you're young. Because a dollar earned now, he didn't say it this way, but it's in my book, a dollar earned now is worth $100 20 years from now, just due to the compounding growth of your investments. And now let's talk about your real hourly rate. This is actually something I'd never thought of, but it's pretty cool. So your real hourly rate is instead of saying you make uh, 20 an hour at your 9 to 5, you make 20 an hour at your 9 to 5, yes. But there is all the things that are required for that job. You have to uh, include commuting, um, getting ready, decompressing at the end of the day, recovery, and you add all of that up to your 9 to 5 hours, and then you actually know your actual hourly rate. For some people, it won't be that bad. For others, I know people who have a two-hour commute. One, I think they're dumb, but two, that makes their real hourly rate go way down. People who travel a lot for their work, that real hourly rate makes it much more extreme. By the way, there are kids screaming uh, down the street, so I don't know if that's getting picked up on here, but I'm almost done with the episode, so I don't want to just can it. So there might be a little bit of background screaming occasionally. So figure out your real hourly rate. Next, the small things matter. You should only be buying joy. What that is essentially saying is don't buy stuff that's stupid. Really think about whether or not it will actually give you what you're hoping that it will give you, which is happiness. A long, long time ago, I bought a game called Skyrim. It was 40 bucks. At that time, that was worth about three hours of my life to earn. But I really, really enjoyed it, and it was after a really rough breakup that I got it, and I was able to use that to entertain myself for hundreds of hours. I don't regret buying that at all. So when you buy something, you need to make sure that it is something that will actually bring you joy. How much of your life are you trading for that thing? And is it going to be worth that much of your life? A new car is going to cost you probably five years more to retire. Buying new is a premium. Anyone who has at least the modicum of common sense when it comes to money knows that you shouldn't buy a new car. But that includes new almost everything. And especially in America, where we are such a affluent society, people are giving away or discounting really nice crap all the time. My coffee table. Super, super nice coffee table. I found it next to the dumpster at a resort. And I was like, can I have that? And they're like, yeah, it's trash. And I was like, cool. It's a super nice coffee table. And the, the top needed to be sanded and refinished, and that's it. And I get a regular compliments on the coffee table. Anytime somebody sees it, they're like, wow, that's a nice coffee table. I was like, I know. I got it from the dumpster. So new is a premium. Make sure that you're not blowing all of your money for the 
Also, new car smell, new goods, yada yada. Buy used. The one exception I would make for that is beds. I don't feel like buying a used bed is necessarily the greatest idea. Then there's the restaurant markup. How much are you eating out? I've talked about this before, um, but this was a while ago, so these numbers seem even more ridiculous, but I was able to eat $2 steak just a couple of years ago because uh, I was at the store. I saw steak was on discount, and I bought a whole bunch of steaks for just $2 a piece. So while you're munching on burnt $14 Wendy's fries that taste like soap, I am enjoying a nice $2 steak. That's the restaurant premium. How much are you eating out, and is are you paying a premium for that? Now, interestingly enough, I'm actually at the stage where it's actually almost more cost-effective for me to eat out than it would be for me to cook my own food at this stage, but that's because of the $5 jo $5 job rule of don't waste all of your time doing the cheap jobs when you can be doing more expensive jobs. But you're still going to pay a premium regardless. So there's the restaurant markups. Every dollar you could have spent or every dollar you spend could have been invested and that'll get you closer and closer to being free. And that's the whole premise of this book is becoming financially free. And then I realized I've spent way too much time and I still have lots of content to go. So let's speed up a little bit. Bulk buy your toilet paper. I've talked about that before multiple times, but if you get a discount on something that you're definitely going to use, bulk buy it. Rich people buy toilet paper in bulk because it's just a basic common sense deal. Housing, transportation, and food. Figure out ways to cut down each of those because the more you save on each of those three major expenses, the more you can invest. Grow your own food. He doesn't talk about this, but Planting a fruit tree is one of the biggest ROIs you can make on your money. Having a full-time job is money gold. You get regular income coming in every single month that you know is going to be there. You get benefits. Health insurance is freaking expensive. And all of this is step one. Cutting expenses and savings so that way you have capital. Because guess what? You can't invest if you don't have capital. This is called capitalism for a reason. Step two is the investing half. Make figuring out where to put your money. In the market, stocks are for a long term. You should max out your Roth IRA. He actually recommends um, slightly different stock market investing strategies that I completely disagree with, but he talks about uh, investing in your 401k as well and doing mutual funds as well. I talk about how inefficient 401ks and mutual funds are, but that's just a little point that we disagree on. Most of everything we agree on because it's how money works. So max out your Roth IRA and you can invest in stocks, bonds, um, index funds. Also, mutual funds is an option. So you can invest in any of those. And we talk more about the stock market here in a couple weeks from the recording of this episode or the release of this episode, I should say. Next, the speed of money accumulation compounds. It takes way, way, way longer to get that first 100K than it does to take 200K. It takes way longer to get that 200K than it does to get 400K. The more money you have, the faster you can accumulate money. In my book, I talk about, 
or I mentioned the quote by, I believe, Charles Munger, and it's something along the lines of, that first 100K is a B, but you gotta get it done. Next, you need to minimize risk, fees, and taxes. You should only work with financial advisors who charge hourly, not a percentage. Only pay for the time that you use. Don't let them get a bite out of your freedom account. I don't think he actually calls it a freedom account in this book, but that's a common term throughout a lot of the finance industry. Next, real estate. Real estate can be better than the stock market because it can appreciate faster and you can use less of your own money, basically mortgages, to gain more control over more assets. So with stocks, you have to pay for 100% of the stock with your own money. You can't have a loan against stocks. Real estate, you can use debt to get um, more and more assets. I've talked about the dangers of debt multiple times, but one, in this book, he doesn't talk about it hardly at all, but two, when it comes to real estate investing, debt is a really common practice, and debt is not necessarily as dangerous in real estate as it is in other things. However, we talked about financial peace a couple of weeks ago. Debt works great until it doesn't. So you need to save for a down payment and make sure that you are qualified for a mortgage. That means in, uh, increasing your a credit score, making sure that you're pre-approved. I talk about a lot of this stuff um, when I recorded the episodes for investing in the real estate. That'll be in a few weeks from now. Usually five houses is what you need to be free. And five houses are easily manageable. It's not like it's a full-time job to maintain five houses of renters. And you can hire a property manager as well. In fact, that's one of the things that I did for one of my jobs was I was um, I worked for a property management company and we took care of people's rentals and it was in a resort country so most of the time those rentals sat empty anyway. Next is the 1% rule which I actually forgot to talk about in the real estate so I'm glad he mentioned it in this book but the 1% rule is a basic shortcut for seeing if a property will be uh, a good investment. And what the 1% rule is, the projected rental income should be at least 1% of the cost of the property. So if a property costs $100,000, the projected rent should be at least $1,000. So that's the 1% rule. And then the final tip for the real estate section is buying in the wintertime. Banks and people want to offload their houses for tax purposes at the end of the year. And nobody wants to go house hunting in the middle of the frickin' winter. It's frickin' cold and everything's ugly. So houses are at a premium high in the springtime usually and are at a low in the winter. So when you're buying houses, aim for buying them in the wintertime. Anyway, that is it for today's episode. I really like this book just because it stroked my ego of, yep, everything that you wrote in your book was correct. So... Go check out his book. Check out my book. The link for The Blueprint of Wealth is down below. Go check it out. And I will see you all next week.